to Biblical Talks Podcast with Michael Tolliver. This podcast is dedicated to biblical teaching and having worldview discussions from a biblical perspective. Here is today's podcast. Beloved, in Luke chapter 19, verse 13, Jesus calls his 10 servants and delivered to them 10 pounds. And he said unto them, Occupy till I come. Now, this is the word of Jesus to us today, the waiting church. He's telling us to occupy till he comes. Beloved, we are not to sit back and say, well, the Lord is coming and there's no sense of me finishing my education. There's no sense of me looking for a job. Well, the Lord is coming. There's no sense of me starting this new business project. Or let's let's just wait because the Lord is coming. No, Jesus said, occupy till I come. Now, some Christians are saying, well, let's go out and charge everything because the Lord is coming and we won't have to pay it off. No, he said, occupy till I come. Listen, we are not to plan our lives based on the Lord's coming in a particular span of time, but we are to occupy until he comes. Yet, Anticipate him to come at any moment and never get so involved that we are not ready to drop anything and everything at a moment's notice. Because that's what we may have to do. Beloved, we are to use the time that we have wisely in serving the Lord. We are to occupy until he comes and never just sit down and say, okay, the Lord is coming so we don't have to do anything. Beloved, in the midst of this crazy world, may we keep busy until he comes. I want you to listen to this sermon by Dr. Lockridge. This sermon is called Occupy Until I Come. I pray that you have a blessed day. strange that everybody wants to live, but he spends his time dying. You will agree, I'm sure, that we live in a sadly sick society. One day, an expert at Moses' law came to test Jesus' orthodoxy by asking him this question. Teacher, what does a man need to do to live now and to live 
forever in heaven. And Jesus replied, what does Moses' law say about it? And the man replied, Moses' law said, Thou must love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and then you must love your neighbor just as you love yourself. Jesus said, That's right. Go do it, and you shall live. You know what to say? Go do it. We not only must say what's right, but we must do what's right. If you really want to live, you must share your life in Christ. First, you must come to him who is life, who has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Now, we are meeting against the backdrop of mounting world tension. This hate-filled world is desperate for a decent way of life. Now, I'm too ignorant to speak wisely, and I trust I'm too wise to speak ignorantly. But a man does not have to be listed in the who's who to know what's what today. As he stands with a newspaper in one hand and a Bible in the other, with his eyes focused on the television and his ears tuned to the radio, he can hear of walls and rumors of walls rumbling around the world. If you really want to live, you've got to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him give you life that will never end. And then go and share that life that you have with others. If you really want to live, you must love God and neighbor in that order. You know, the trouble with us in our day is we're trying to love each other. We're trying to get along with each other without God. In the last decade or so, we have spent millions trying to get men to live peaceably one with the other. Now, you will know that men quit acting like brothers in Cain and Abel's day. We say we have... Uh, racial problem, our problem is racial, but I submit to you that our problem is not a skin problem, it's a sin problem. We must love God and then neighbor in that order. I said we're trying to pay men to live peaceably one with the other. Don't you know God is the only one who has to love, who loves without a reason. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But human beings love for reason. I hear the psalmist saying, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplication. But God loves us without our being lovable or lovely. God loves us. Reason for being here in this world is that we might glorify him. Not glorify ourselves or our neighbor, but glorify God. We must love God and neighbor in that order. Our theology has got to be expressed in our sociology. One cannot be human alone. It takes God and another. Some people think that just one good quality makes them Christian and makes them acceptable in the sight of God. Everybody here has 
one or two things going for them. But it takes more than just one or two things. You must love God with your soul, your mind, your heart, your strength, and then neighbor as yourself. You know, some people who have talents, well, if they sing, they think that all they have to do is come here on Sunday morning or wherever your church is and stand and sing and then go on and live like you want to live. You not only must have the talent, but you must use it for the glory and the honor of the Lord. And then there are some people, and I, I believe that every, every Christian ought to be a tither. We'll be back after a quick break. We'll be back after a quick break. Each month, Elder Tolliver offers a spiritually encouraging book to help you in your walk with Christ for any size donation. Please go to biblicaltalks.com to take advantage of this opportunity. That's the minimum. And then give generously of that that you have left. But now, if a person is a tither and gives generously, if he's not careful, he'll get to the point where he thinks that whatever he says in the church ought to go because he pays his money. He takes something else besides money. And then, then uh, we have some prayer specialists. We have some people who can order God around. They can tell him where to go and what to do and when they want it and how they want it done, just like God doesn't know how to run this world. Some talk to him like they're trying to pick at the throne of grace, trying to get him to change his mind. Now, I'm not knocking prayer. We cannot get along without it. And every day of our lives ought to be punctuated with periods of prayer. But I'm saying that you must do something else beside pray. With all of the strength, all of the resources that God gives us, we ought to use them for His glory and His honor. So, we must do something else beside pray. Any individual who thinks that just one good quality makes him acceptable in the sight of God and serviceable in the kingdom, it reminds me of bees making honey. There is a bee, you know, that uh, just makes honey out of one flower. When you taste it, it's all right, but you can tell that something is lacking. There is another bee, when he gets ready to make honey, he will go to the clover field and suck some of the nectar from the clover. And then he'll go to the rosebud and get some of its sweetness. And then he'll go to the meadow and get some of what the daisy has to offer. And then he'll fly over the mountain and bring back some of the liquid fragrance of a morning glory. He'll come back by the peach orchard and light in a peach blossom. And then he'll go to his little laboratory and he'll mix it all up. You've got some real honey then. And if you want your life serviceable in the kingdom of our Lord, you've got to start at Abraham's tent and get you some faith. You've got to visit Moses at Midian and get you some preparation. You've got to go up on the mountain where Elijah is and get you some fire. 
You've got to go to Job's house and get you some patience. You've got to go to Paul's dungeon and get you some determination and missionary zeal. You've got to plow through the word of God and stop on the Jericho road long enough for the good Samaritan to teach you how to love your neighbor. And then you've got to go to Calvary and get you some love and go down in the empty tomb and get you some eternal life and go somewhere in your secret closet and mix it all up in prayer. You'll be serviceable in the kingdom of our Lord. That's the reason Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Our Lord gave a demonstration of faith and works. It was on the occasion of the Feast of the Tabernacle. A blind man was sitting by the wayside begging. Now other men became blind, but this man was born like that. This man had never seen the face of his loved ones. He'd never seen a sunrise or a sunset. This man had never seen color blushing a rose. This man had felt raindrops, but he'd never seen clouds floating overhead. This man had heard thunder, but he'd never seen lightning flash. This man is in a pitiful condition, sitting there, blind, begging. But the disciples were interested only to a point. They were only interested in the call. They were not interested in a cure. They just wanted to have something to talk about. They just wanted to have it said when they got in their rap session that we know what caused this blindness. They were only, only interested in theology. And they called themselves asking a deep theological question. Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind. But Jesus turned their theology into doxology for he said neither but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. Now Jesus is not saying that the man has never sinned or that the parents had not sinned because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But what Jesus is saying that no one's sin caused this blindness. I can hear Jesus saying I had him born like that for just such time as this. I had him born like that so that when men run low on faith, I had him born like that so that when men think that faith is all they need, I had him born like that, that I might glorify God. And he set out to give this demonstration, and he's going to do it in slow motion. Now Jesus could have just willed, and the man's eyes would have come open. But he takes this time. He's going to demonstrate the importance of faith and works. He takes his time. He spit on the ground. He mixes the spit and the clay. And then he takes his time and smooths it on the man's eyes and tells him to go and wash in the pool. This man, first of all, had to have faith in Jesus. If he had no faith, this blind man would have resented he would have protested. He would have said, why, this man is mocking me. I'm, I've been blind all my life, and uh, here he is putting mud and spit on my eyes. But there was something in Jesus' voice that caused the man to want to try. And he started out 
just like he was. I said faith is a starting point. That's a good starting point. That's the only starting point. This man got up and went straight to the pool. Now, he possibly didn't have a C&I dog. He possibly didn't have uh, know anything about radar, but he went straight to the pool. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I'm weak, but thou art mighty, hold me with thy powerful head. You know, if you will go in the faith that the Lord gives you, if you will use that little, he'll increase it while you're in the journey. And then when you come to the end of the journey, you can testify that the journey has been joyful. You know, when you get in your car and start out for home tonight, you may not have enough light to shine all the way home. But as your vehicle moves, the light moves. When you turn right, the light turns right. When you turn left, the light turns left. When you go up the hill, the light's up the hill. When you get in the valley, the light's in the valley. And after a while, you've got light all the way home. Use the faith that the Lord gives you and he will increase it. Yes, he will. He'll, he'll strengthen you as you obey. This man went on to the pool. And when he got there, he didn't just stand and shout about his faith. This man had to work. This man washed. And when he washed, when he worked, when he coupled his faith and his work, his eyes came open. And now he's got something to shout about. Now he can tell others what good things the Lord has done for us. I once was blind, but now I see. Oh, I used to murmur and complain and argue with life. But when I found Jesus precious to my soul, I moved off of Complaint Avenue and I'm now living on Thanksgiving Boulevard. Praise the Lord. This man has something to shout about now. He has faith and works. If I walk in the pathway of duty, if I work until the close of the day, I shall see the great king in his beauty when I've gone the last mile of the way. When I've gone the last mile of the way, I'll rest at the close of the day. And I know there are joys that await me when I've gone the last mile of the way. I have faith in him, yes. But I put my faith to work. And I'm going to work until the day is over. Jesus said, occupy until I come. Occupy, work until I come. You know, many people, instead of occupying until he comes, they are occupied with his coming. They're trying to pinpoint the time of his coming. But it's always sitting around trying to figure out just when he's coming. Now, I know he's coming. And I can't say soon. I don't know when. But he's coming. For when he comes, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. When he comes, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the other prophets, are going to rise and run the streets. And everybody they see, they're going to say, I told you so. When he comes... Abraham's going to nudge Sarah and say, wake up, Sarah, the Lord's here. When he comes, David's going to ask for his harp and play once more, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We need to work now, while it's day, for when the night cometh, no man can work. We need to work until he comes. You know, after a while, we're going to have some more leaders. 
You remember when Jesus got ready to confirm his divine mission in the minds of men, he carried Peter, James, and John up on the mountain of transfiguration. He brought Moses and Elijah down to represent heaven. And there on that mountain, in that conference, there was just one item on the agenda. Jesus talked about dying. He talked about dying until his countenance changed. He talked about dying until Peter got happy and said, let's build three tabernacles. He talked about dying. And I believe, I believe that he appointed Moses to lead that crowd who has died in the Lord. And I believe that he appointed Elijah to lead that crowd who will be still alive when he comes. You know, Elijah didn't die. He just caught a fiery chariot and went on home. And I believe, I believe that while we are getting ready, I believe that we're going to sing a double anthem. I'm glad that those who will be still alive will not go off and leave those in the grave. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. We're going to sing this double anthem. Elijah's crowd's going to sing, O death, where is thy sting? And Moses' crowd's going to sing, O grave, where is thy victory? And then we're going to all join in the chorus and sing, Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll be caught up together to meet him in the air. Somebody said, We'll walk in Jerusalem just like John, but the Bible says we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. Somebody says we'll get on board an old ship of Zion. She has landed a many a thousand. She has landed my old father. She has landed my old mother. But the book says we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. And then somebody says we are climbing Jacob's ladder and every round goes higher and higher. But the Bible says we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. Now, it used to be a song, don't hear it so much now. Lord, I want two wings to veil my face. I want two wings to fly away. And then the head of stanza that says, Lord, meet me. Meet me in the middle of the air. And if these wings should fail me, meet me with another pair. Now that somebody didn't know the Lord. There's no failure in him. Why the reservoir of his resources never recedes. The wisdom of his word never wanes. The vigor of his virtue never varies. The burnish of his beauty never blemishes. The lust of his love never lessens. The power of his power never perishes, and the fountain of his fullness never fails. There's no failure in him. Whatever Lord gives you, it won't fail you. I know he has given me salvation, and that's not going to fail me. Oh, I'm saved. I'm talking about right now. I'm saved now. I don't have to wait till I come to die. No, I'm saved now. You know, I get excited about it. When I get to thinking about the Lord has saved me, has given me life that will never end. Somebody right there said, well, preacher, when you come to die. No, I'll just come, I'll just come down to the line 
that separates time and eternity. Now just step across that line. While I'm over here, I'm asking the Lord to be with me. But when I step across that line, I'll be there where He is. We'll be caught up to meet Him in the air. And now, He's not coming back to the earth right then. He's just coming down low enough to affect an airlift. We're going to be caught up to meet Him in the air. Not on the earth, but in the air. And then the blessed part about it, there we shall ever be with the Lord. Praise His name. We shall ever be with the Lord. Do you ever think about what it's going to be like to be with the Lord? There we shall ever be with the Lord. You know, some people say, I just like to sit quiet and, 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 and listen. Oh, when we get where the Lord is. Don't expect it to be quiet there. There's going to be shouting. Oh, you know, in seminary they taught me how to stand in one track and hold my Bible. They taught me how to gesture to emphasize certain points. They taught me how to regulate and modulate my voice so it won't be so loud and obnoxious. And you know, I passed the course. But when I get to thinking about being with the Lord, I get excited about it. I can't help but shout. Look, you haven't, you haven't seen any shouting yet. You just wait until my feet strike Zion. You just wait until I behold his face. Oh, you just wait until I hear him say, Seven, well done. You just wait. There we shall ever be with the Lord. Will you be there? Don't fool me. Will you be there? I'll be there when the saints go marching in. Will you be there? I'll be there when the four and twenty elders bow around the altar. Will you be there? I'll be there when they crown him Lord of all. for listening to Biblical Talks. This podcast is solely supported by listener donations. Please go to biblicaltalks.com to support this podcast and have a blessed day.